Lord, we um, just ask for your blessing upon them as they finish this up, as they connect with people, that they would find great joy in the ministry, that they would look back with gratitude upon what you have done and and look forward with hope and, and anticipation for what you will do in them and through them. We thank you again for this incredible partnership. We lift them into your care and keeping in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, around the middle service, a, a guy complimented me on my shirt. And uh, that's been happening a little bit more lately because uh, my wife, Nancy, has taken upon herself. I'm kind of a project of hers. Um, so the shoes, the pants, the shirts, over the past several months, it's been all her doing. And uh, it's a good thing she's doing that because if I was left to my own devices... Uh, I wouldn't be a slob, but I would continue to wear the same stuff over and over and, and, and over. Um, and maybe some of you guys can, can relate to that. You get comfortable. You don't make many changes. You just kind of settle into to, to a routine regarding what you wear. But Nancy kind of serves as like a mirror. She kind of holds up a mirror literally, <laughs> but also figuratively. And um, she's a catalyst for change. And she, she points me to a, a better way to dress. And we all need that. We all need somebody in our lives, someone or something who points us to a better way, whether it's in how we dress or how we work or relate or how we follow Jesus. That's kind of what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount the last few weeks, uh, and we're working our way through chapters 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus has this long sermon, this long discourse, where he preaches about a variety of of topics. And what Jesus kind of does is he, he holds up a mirror uh, to our lives. And this mirror doesn't just reflect what's going on on the outside, but also what's going on on the inside. Uh, and that makes us sometimes kind of uncomfortable because we kind of get settled into our lives and we think we're doing okay. Not, not perfect, but we're doing okay. And Jesus holds up this mirror to our lives and he, he gets not just to the outside, but the motives that we have. And he says things that kind of unsettle us and ruffle our feathers, like if you, you look at somebody with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Or if you have hatred in your heart towards somebody, you're, you're guilty of, of, of murder. He tells us that we are to tell the truth and keep our word at all times. He tells us that we are to, to shine brightly, we, that we are to uh, point people to Jesus through our, our deeds. And he tells us that in our religious activities that we must be very, very careful of our motives so that we're seeking to honor God and get his applause and not the applause and notice of other people around us. And today Jesus does the same thing in, a, in, a, in another area of our life that we don't always like people messing around with us. And he, he points into and he pokes into and he holds up this mirror in the area of our material possessions. And how do we relate to them? And so let's, let's read the passage from Mark chapter 6, 19 through 34. And then we'll jump into what Jesus has to say to us today. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, in this passage, Jesus gives us two very clear principles regarding how we are to view and relate and respond to uh, the resources that God has entrusted to us. And the first principle is that we are not to lay up treasures on earth to the neglect of treasures in heaven. Not to lay up treasures on earth to the uh, detriment of treasures in heaven. Now, now up front we should say Jesus is not against having treasure. He's not anti-money. He's just concerned about where our treasures are. He's concerned about what we put our trust in and what we find our security in. And so in verses 19 to 24, he presents us with a series of stark choices. And, And he says, decide between God and money. You have to make a choice. And in these verses, he gives us three pairs and says that we have to choose one or the other. Two, three different kind of polarities. He says, you can choose treasures on earth or treasures in heaven. You can have a perspective of, of, of a good vision, of a good eye, or bad vision in a bad eye. You have two masters. You can choose one. You can serve money or you can serve God. Now, we don't like these sort of stark choices. I mean, it's like when you take those personality tests and they're trying to say, you're this. And you're like, yeah, I'm this, but I'm also this. I'm not all this. We, we don't like to be boxed in. But this here, Jesus is saying, these, these, are, these are binary. You can have one or the other, but there's no in-between. So you can't have, uh, I, I have my treasures on earth, but I also have my treasures in heaven. No, he says, you have to choose. Where do you place your security? Where is your treasure? And Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither rust, no, moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart 
will also be. So Jesus is saying you have to make a choice. Where is your ultimate allegiance? Where is your ultimate security found? In material possessions? Things that moth and rust can decay, steal by thieves, stolen by thieves, or in things that are secure eternally? Where is your treasure? Now, it's very easy for us. We all have this tendency to treasure money and possessions. We like to accumulate, we like to possess, we like to save, we like to aim for and purchase. We like to build these things up, kind of for our rainy day. We, it comes very easily to us to, to treasure stuff. You know, it's kind of like when I stay in a, have the opportunity to stay in a really, really nice hotel. I normally can't afford them, but for some reason, get a discount or, or this or that, or you know, something happens and I get to stay in one. And, and then you think, well, I could get used to this. It would not take much of an adjustment to, to get used to this, to, to live like this. Laying up treasures on earth comes naturally to us. But Jesus warns us against it. Why? Because they're all susceptible to decay and loss and theft and destruction, devaluation, deterioration. It's not a matter of if human treasures will eventually be lost or degraded in some way. It's only a matter of when. But in contrast, treasuring eternal things means that we are investing in something that will last forever. You know, several years ago, construction workers were building a, 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 something close to the site of ancient Pompeii. And as they were uncovering some things and excavating, they came across a, a, a corpse of a woman who must have been fleeing uh, when Mount Vesuvius erupted. And, and she was covered in, in hot ashes. And she was laying there, and in her hand were clutched these, these beautiful jewels. They were in excellent condition. She had the jewels, but death had stolen it all from her. That's the bottom line in life. Worldly treasure is not a long-term wise investment because you cannot, you cannot take it with you. And so Jesus says it makes more sense to invest in ultimately what will last. And we will treasure something. We all treasure something. And when we treasure temporary wealth, we're putting our hopes in something that will not last. Jesus says, invest in something that will last for eternity. I like how Randy Alcorn puts it. He says, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. What's he mean by that? By investing in what will last. By realizing that everything we have is God's money anyway. It's entrusted to us for a time. And we're, and we're going to be held accountable for what we do with what we've been given. And Jesus encourages us to use the things that God has entrusted to us to invest by, by, by giving, by supporting, to, by serving those around us, by ministries or, or missionaries or, or churches or nonprofits, by those in need, by strategically using all that we have for God's kingdom. You know, materialism is this, is this like this disease that kind of takes root and begins to grow. And, and if it's unaddressed, it grows and it can take over everything. And the only antidote, the only antidote is generosity. It's opening our hands and releasing those things and investing them for the kingdom of heaven. You have to choose what's your treasure. Because your heart will always follow what you do with your money. 
Jesus gives us two other polarities. He says you'll have a, a, a bad eye or a good eye. This one's a little bit harder to understand, but if you wear glasses, maybe this will help. I, I wear glasses when I drive or for a long-term viewing, and I hate when they get smudged. You know, and it's like sometimes they're hard to clean. Why, why do I hate? Because when they're smudged, I, I can't see clearly. And seeing clearly is really important when you're, when you're driving or, or you're trying to figure out what's going on, on on the TV or on the field far away. That's the picture Jesus gives us. We don't always see things clearly, and our vision can be clouded by materialism, by greed, and it will ruin our life if we let it. But generosity will free us and help us to see what truly is important more clearly. But we have to make a choice. And then there's one more polarity. You serve God or you serve money. No one can serve two masters, Jesus tells us, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Will God rule your life or will the pursuit of possessions rule your life? Will you ultimately find security and hope in God or will you find it in what you amass, what you store away, what you, what you save? The answer to that question will determine the direction of our whole life. So choose wisely. This is not hard to understand. But the problem is that we get all these messages from the world around us that, that the good life, the best life comes through Valuing stuff and accumulating stuff more than following God. And so what Jesus says, it goes, it goes against the grain. It goes completely against what we normally hear and think. And sometimes by osmosis, even as Christians, we begin to feel and think this way. But the truth is that the happiest people on earth are those who are the most generous. I like how Randy Alcorn puts it. Once we understood that we were giving away God's money to do God's work, We discovered a peace and joy we never had back when we thought it was ours. So this all sounds good. But let's step into the real world. We have bills to pay. We have kids to send to college. We have, you know, parents to care for or children to care for, debt to pay off. We have to plan for the future. We don't want to be a burden on anybody. But we have to be careful that we start to think that maybe if, if I care more about doing it God's way, that I'm going to end up in financial trouble. And that's why Jesus gives us the second principle. The first principle is, of course, don't lay up treasures on earth at the expense of laying up treasures in heaven. The second principle Jesus gives us is very simple. Don't worry. That's it. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. He says it three times. Don't worry about what you'll wear, about what you'll eat. Don't worry. So worrying about money is not a new problem. It was the same issue back in Jesus' day. Always has been because, again, we tend to try to find security in things we can see and touch and, and, and save. Things that, like money, like possessions. And so we ask ourselves, why shouldn't we worry? And Jesus gives us three big arguments about why we should not worry. The first one's practical, and then there are two that are more theological statements about who God is. The practical one is it doesn't do any good. And the other two are that God will provide and God cares. So let's look at the practical reason not to worry. It doesn't do any good anyway. Corey Ten Boom said it best. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. 
But worry empties today of its strength. Worry is all negative. It doesn't help us at all. And then Jesus says there are two reasons that we can trust God. And there, he says that, that God provides and that God cares. So let's look at the first one. Jesus points out that God has a pretty good track record of providing. I mean, just think, he says, of how he's provided for the birds of the air, the lilies and the grass of the field. And if God does such a good job providing for them, why would we think that he's going to have a hard time providing for, for us? You know, I, I've had the privilege uh, growing up, I had the privilege of, of knowing all four of my grandparents. Uh, I didn't lose my first one until I was 23, 24 years old. And um, I always was so grateful that I got to know them uh, and see them several times a year. And I, I feel like I knew them well. I knew their personalities. I knew what they valued. I knew those sorts of things. And they loved me. And I felt special when I was with them. And one of the many things I appreciated about them, remember about them, was how was their faith in God. Uh, they didn't have much. They lived very simply. But they always seemed to, to have you know, enough. They experienced some tough times financially. But God provided what they needed when they needed it. God will do the same thing for you and for me. And so when we feel anxiety about money or possessions rising about the future financially, look back and remember how God has provided for you in the past and trust that he will do it for you now and in the future. God will provide. The other big reason that Jesus gives us not to worry is that God cares. He says, you're worth far more to God the Father than birds and grass. And if he cares for them, of course he will provide for you because he values you far, far more. He knows what you need and he cares about you and your needs. You know, when we are anxious and worried, it's really a, it's really a misguided search for security and hope for a certain kind of tomorrow. Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth because these things will go away eventually. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And, and what are barns and laid up treasures? It's, it's not just about luxury. It's about, it's about security. You know, if you, if you follow the stock market all, you know that uh, there's a term, general term for investing in stocks and bonds and things like that. They call it financial securities. Our anxiety wants security. We want to feel safe. We want to feel stable. We want answers to the unknown questions of what might happen tomorrow. But we know we live in a broken world. And we know that there are real things that are really not right. We long for, for Eden lost. And so what do we do? We, we look to all kinds of things to, to give us a certain sense of security and control that will quiet those nagging, anxious thoughts, the things that worry us. And in this passage, Jesus specifically mentions looking to money and finances that we often do to provide ourselves with a sense of security. If I just have enough, if that barn is packed to the rim, then I know I'm okay. I can handle whatever comes my way in life. But he points at the hole in this whole security plan. It's never enough. It's, it's not secure enough. If Jesus was talking to us today, instead of thieves and moths and rust, he probably would mention identity theft or, or bank fraud or security fraud or insider trading or ebbs and flows of, of, of Wall Street. But the truth is, money isn't the only place that we look for security, is it? 
We look to people. We look specifically to romantic relationships for security, for a sense of okayness with our future. As long as I'm with you, everything will be okay. But then the marriage or the, or the, or the, or the relationship falls apart and a whole sense of security is shattered. We look to jobs and careers for, for um, both financial and emotional confidence. I'm good at this job. I do it well. I'm able to provide for myself and others, but then the job goes away or an accident happens and I, can't, I can no longer work. We look to our family, even our kids for security. As long as they're doing okay, or at least look like they're doing okay, then I'm doing okay and I, I've got security and, and worth. But then we put massive pressure on our kids and we can't handle it when they fail to meet those expectations. And because you're using them like an emo- because you're using them like an emotional barn to give you a false sense of security. And Jesus shows us there's a lie hidden in this thought process of just a little bit more in my barns, a little bit more stored up treasure, and then I won't be anxious, I won't have to worry, because it's not true, because it'll never be enough. You know, a few years back, um, I thought this was really interesting, a group of scientists with the World Health Organization studied over 147,000 people uh, throughout 26 countries, and they were focused on, on general generalized anxiety disorder. And here's what they found. People from countries classified as middle income countries were 75% more likely to suffer from anxiety in their lifetime than those from low income countries. People from high income countries like the U.S. were 78% more likely to have it from those who were in middle income countries, which means that people from high income countries were 213% more likely to struggle with anxiety than from those in low-income countries. Now, the study doesn't go into the why, but the point is clear. Having more stuff, having more financial security does not make anxiety go away. In fact, as one rapper put it, more money, more problems. If we're going to walk in the way of Jesus and be truly free from anxiety and worry, then we need the whole truth. Yes, of course, having money to cover basic needs and care for those around us, that's a good thing. Jesus is not anti that. And no, my financial circumstances are not proof of whether or not God cares about me because I know God cares about me when I look at the cross. I know God cares about me because he's clothing grass with flowers and feeding 400 billion birds around the world. I already know the whole truth, the big story. So I can interpret my day-to-day realities in light of the bigger truth. God will provide. God cares. And all the worry, anxiety that maybe I, I experience or wrestle with, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. It just makes me less happy less secure, steals my peace, robs my todays and tomorrows. God has given us all the resources of eternity. He's given us His Son. His Son was willing to give His life for us. How will He not also graciously give us what we need when we need it? So we have a choice. Jesus says we have a choice. We can treasure money and stuff. If we do, our lives will be consumed by it and it will never 
be enough and it will never provide the security that we really need. Or we can discover the one who lost everything for us and who became poor so that we could be made eternally rich. We can pursue him as our greatest treasure and he will provide everything we need as well. I like how Jim Elliott, the missionary, puts it. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. We thank you, um, Lord, that you love us enough to speak the truth to us, that your word pokes and prods and comforts and reassures and challenges and and exposes. And so, Lord, as we have just heard from Jesus, our tendency, our temptation is to put our trust in earthly things. Father, forgive us. And Father, help us to increasingly let go of those things through, through generosity, uh, through focusing on you, through trusting you, knowing and believing that you will provide knowing that and believing that you do care. So Lord, help us. Help us to be people who, who walk by faith and who are building treasures in heaven and pointing people to you through the way that we handle the resources that you have entrusted to us. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I invite you now to stand for the benediction. As you do so, uh, just a reminder to our prayer team, uh, they can take their place to the side here uh, in the hallway. If you're here today and would like somebody to pray with you after the service, please please join them there. They'd be honored to do that. And just a reminder as well, uh, if you want to greet Ron and, and Janet, they'll be out in the foyer. I'm sure they'd love to, to hear from you and, and, and have a conversation. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen.